I am wildly happy today, wildly happy. Uh, and I do believe that I could be even more happy. My sponsor, whenever I would ask him those questions, it would be, how free do you want to be? You know, how many meetings should I go to? Well, how free do you want to be? How often should I pray? How free do you want to be? Well, hello, friends of Bill W. and other friends. You have landed on Sober Speak. My name is John M. I am an alcoholic, and we are glad you are all here, especially newcomers. Newcomers, that is, both to recovery as a whole and newcomers to this podcast. Sober Speak is a podcast about recovery centered around the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. My job here on Sober Speak is simple. My job is to provide a platform to the amazing stories of recovery all around us. Consider Sober Speak, if you will, your meeting between meetings. Please remember, we do not speak for AA or any 12 step community. We represent only ourselves. We are here to share our experience, strength, and hope with those who wish to come along for the ride. Take what you want and leave the rest at the curb for the trash man to pick up. From Studio A, deep in the heart of Texas, that was the voice of my friend Casey W. On this here episode number 240, and you are going to hear so much more from Casey in just a moment, but first things first, this episode is being brought to you by Terry and Laura and Tanya and Lisa and Laura. It's two Lauras. Do you know what Terry and Laura and Tanya and Lisa and Laura did? Well, let me fill you in. They went to our website, www.soberspeak.com. They clicked on the little yellow donate tab and they made a, a contribution. So thank you so much, Terry and Laura and Tanya and Lisa and Laura again. This episode is coming right out to Ewans. By the way, those Lauras are not related. Even though they have the same first name, I just want everybody to know they're not related. Oh, what am I talking about? Nonetheless, I, John M., just another bozo on the bus, indeed, or believe me, I am, will be the chairperson for this meeting between meetings, and I am truly, I really am honored and privileged to serve all of you that are listening in. So take a seat, if you will, around this virtual table and let's get started. I am going to go right into Mr. Casey W. today. Uh, I, I tell you what, this guy is just, he's, he's a good friend of mine. I love him to death. Uh, he is the epitome of what Alcoholics Anonymous should be. Um, he works all three sides of the triangle. He's just a grand guy, and I am so happy and honored that I get to present him here on this episode. And the name of this episode is... The topic will, <clears throat> excuse me, 
Uh, I had to clear my throat a couple of times here before I even started, and I had to start over a couple of times, and I thought I had cleared my throat out sufficiently, but apparently I had not. And I won't edit that out, you know. Let's just, you know, I'm like, uh, I'm like one of the the hip guys. You know what I like to say? I like to say I'm keeping it real. Anyway, Casey has been sober. Oh, this the title of this is a topic wheel, and you'll you'll hear we talk about this on the the beginning of the episode. Uh, uh, I get to sit in a lot of meetings with Casey. Uh, he's well known here in the North Texas area, and every time he's called on to talk about a particular top topic, he just kind of seems to knock it out of the park. So I thought Casey would be the perfect person to do this particular episode with. And, uh, it's a little, uh, a wheel electronic wheel. You'll hear us talking about it. Um, and, uh, Casey, uh, takes a uh, topic by topic. Nonetheless, Casey W has been sober since January 13th of 1990. As Casey says, I couldn't, I, I just couldn't quite get sober in the 80s. <laughs> Laugh out loud. So he missed it there by what, 14 days. And we're spinning the topic wheel. And during our discussion, we discuss, we talk about sponsorship, forgiveness, the turning point, and much, much more. So ladies and gentlemen, once again, I present to you the one and only Mr. Casey W. I'm sure you will enjoy this and we will have plenty of listener feedback at the end of this episode. Enjoy. Okay, everybody. So today... We are sitting here, literally, when I say we're sitting here, a lot of the times, I am actually not sitting with the person, they are on a, some sort of Zoom or video tool, whatever I use for recording, uh, there's several different tools I use, it's a long story, I won't go into that, but today, I am actually sitting here with Mr. Casey W, the one and only Casey W. So Casey, if you would, please go ahead and introduce yourself, give you sobriety date if you wish, and we'll get started here. Casey W, alcoholic, uh, January 13th of 1990, proud member of the Frisco Group in Frisco, Texas. That's right, as we both are. Yeah, that's right. We were doing a little mic check here before we got started, and I told Casey, that his voice carries well, which it does. <laughs> Tell me what you were saying about our friend well, Chad. Chad said in the meeting today that uh, I was too loud and that my <laughs> voice was projecting a little too far today. So I'll try to be cognizant of that as my emotion starts to rise and I start to <laughs> proselytize. I'll try not to yell too much. <laughs> but it is true though. You can hear you. You know how people are when, mm -hmm. when they introduce them. Some people you can't hear them from uh -huh. across the room. Yep. And others are like, uh, you know, they, they can barely say. Anything. Well, I think the Frisco group has trained me that you need to project <laughs> because depending on which end of the trailer you're sitting in and how loud the AC is, right. you need to project. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. I we've had people that show up at either this meeting that we just came to, the Frisco Fourth Dimension Group, or the uh, Frisco Group, and they've come and they go, uh, well, they've come to this one over here. They can say, this doesn't look like a trailer. I go, oh, no, this is a nice place. It's right? also behind the church, but it's behind a different church, and it's not in a trailer. <laughs> That's right. And, but we, we have restrooms that aren't a 10-minute walk away. <laughs> away. <laughs> 
Isn't it weird that, yeah. that place has got... Well, the, recently it's been kind of refurbished, though, yeah. right? The group yeah. got together, did a no, little touch-up paint. For sure. But, you know, you still look at that green carpet and the dinged-up mm-hmm. wall. The, the walls are better now. Yeah. Uh, and The uh, chairs. It, yeah, I the mean, chairs. <laughs> there's a few things that could use an upgrade there. I remember when I first came to Frisco Group, uh, when, I, when I kind of was working in Frisco and wanted to make that my home group, it was probably around... Oh, I, I don't know, 2017 or 16. And I remember getting there and I was there like 10 minutes before the meeting started. And the guy said, uh, I said, hey, where's the restroom? And he goes, oh, you'll never make it back in time. Because that was when we had to walk all the way around. You remember walking all the way around church to the restroom? <laughs> They've given us better a better egress to the restroom these days. So 10 minutes will do it. But back then you had to walk all the way to the front and all the way back. And then you walk up that little ramp and you're going to hear all the creaking. Yes, <laughs> yes. And then once you get in the room, the floor uh-huh. of the place that you yeah. walk on it, there's yeah. no sneaking out. Yeah. You know, you're, inconspicuous. Not there, you're not at the Frisco group for the amenities. I can assure you of that. I, it feels like a, it's like a real meeting in there. <laughs> but isn't it great that we uh, find, you know, the God of our understanding there and we connect so well, yeah. even in a place like that? 100%. It would be the kind of place that if, if there wasn't an AA meeting there, I wouldn't want to spend more than 30 seconds in that place. <laughs> but otherwise, open that door and I just feel good. You know, <laughs> I just right. feel good. I love it. Me too. All right. So anyway, that was about chat. And I also, you you were talking about how on the way over here to my studio this is studio it's really nice yeah Yeah. talk about amenities real nice real nice this chair is adjustable and everything i mean it's great (laughs) so you when you were driving over here to get to studio a you said you were listening to kdp on sober speak and and talk talk a little bit about that so uh i have lived in a, a few different cities in my sobriety but i got sober in austin texas and my stepsister at the time was a year sober, and her home group was the Unity Group in Austin, Texas. And so my first meeting was January 1st of 1990 uh, at the Unity Group, which Katie, I heard her say that she started that meeting. And so I probably spent my first 90 days, 90 meetings in 90 days at that group. I got a sponsor in that group. I did my third step at that group. It's not there anymore, but man, I have hugely fond memories. As a matter of fact, the... Uh, when I spoke at uh, Tri-City, which you recorded, thank you, mm-hmm. um, gentleman came up to me, and this never happens to me when I tell my story. He came to me and he goes, hey, man, I remember you from the Unity Group. I was back there in the early 90s, too. And so it was Ooh. cool to it's cool to get to hear and see that, because I don't know how long that meeting was there. It was a real great meeting. The people were so welcoming, and, and it was a real solution-oriented meeting. Uh, they allowed me to have my first step experience at that meeting, because I drank and went to meetings for a couple of weeks when I first started. And um, there was a kind gentleman there, Justin, who came up to me after the meeting and talked to me about maybe not drinking and coming to the next meeting and seeing how that goes, which I did, which ended up being my current sobriety date. And um, I couldn't couldn't tell you enough about that meeting. A really great, great meeting that I have a, a huge fond memory for and gratitude. Saved my life. Right. And, you know, most of us, as you know, I mean, the first place we go and, you know, especially if we end up staying there for mm-hmm. any sort of significant period of time, yep. you know, you always look back on that yeah. and think, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I found those people. And, you know, like uh, I, we, I was just talking about in the meeting that we uh, that we just got back from. Uh, that is 
uh, like I think of the Carrollton group and I'm so fond mm, of that mm. Carrollton group because it's where I got sober and you know, you would walk in and you could cut the smoke with a knife Yes, uh, and all of the, 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 the steps on the wall where it was mm-hmm. black or yellow. Yep. Uh, but, and, and, you know, but, but I just, I loved it. Well, you know? I'll tell you a couple of stories about that. One is unity group was real progressive. There was no smoking at the unity group in the nineties. Yep. In the nineties. And so the other couple of meetings that I frequented very often, one was the Bolden group and Bolden, Bolden, B-O-L-D-E-N? It's B-O-U-L-D-I-N. It's a little pink house in South Austin. It's been there forever in the same spot. Tons of memories there. And there was a smoking and non-smoking. And if you were sitting on the edge of the smoking and the edge of the non-smoking, you'd probably be touching knees with somebody. I mean, I don't know how there was a smoking, non-smoking section there. And the other thing is, I think smoking was so ingrained in AA at that time. I would go to the Northland group and there was a smoking and there were smoking and non-smoking meetings. I think it's all non-smoking now, but non-smokers would go to the smoking meeting. Because that's what they got sober on was smoking meetings. Right, right. And so there'd be non-smokers in the smoking meeting. Right. You know, so that wasn't about whether you smoked or not. There was a whole culture of this is how I did it. And so I'm going to keep sucking in smoking right. here, even though there's a non-smoking option. So. Right. Did you ever fly in the planes or it was like? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember. So I, I will say that I think that they may have uh, stopped allowing smoking before I was of smoking age. I will also say that. Right before I turned 18 was when they changed the law. So I only had about six weeks to deal with of being um, too young to buy cigarettes because you used to buy cigarettes at any age. But I remember smoking on a Southwest Airlines flight and them saying, this is it. This is the last time you're going to be able to smoke on a flight. And I thought, wow, end of an era. No more smoking. How am I going to survive an entire flight without smoking? Well, and you know, they used to half up the plane to where they're like the front half or the back half. I can't hear. I think it was the back half was the smoking. But it's just so stupid, (laughs) You're in this tin can, you know, and the the ashtrays were in the armrest, you know, just so. Can you imagine if we got on that today? It'd be so gross. It would seem totally fine then. And the thing about AA at the time is I remember, I remembered such, such uh, heated arguments about whether the newcomer was going to survive if we did not allow them to smoke for that hour. I mean, what are they going to do? Yeah. And I, and you know, so people had some good points, but you know, as you know, I mean, times have moved on yep. and, uh, they just quit smoking yeah, for an I'm, hour. I, I, you know, I can think of one or two places where you can smoke now. Mm. That's very few and far between. Right. All right. So I, I, you know, I just wanted to get with you today. I, I, I love talking to you. I, in fact, we had a conversation this week. Every conversation I have, I'm always thinking, let's get that on tape, <laughs> right? Let's get, oh, you called me. I was traveling yep. for work and I told yep. you I was sitting in the, the hotel yes. bar. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> with the, the lobby of uh-huh. the hotel or the lobby of the uh-huh. hotel. And That's I was right. actually looking at a bar uh-huh. and you said to me, what? I said, well, you know, I was thinking back to the Mayflower Hotel and thinking, is there a bar on your right and a telephone on the left? You know, what's going on there? So fortunately, you weren't in any kind of dire straits on your DC trip, but I thought I would check in just to make sure, you know. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, and you also said to me you had heard something on 
the podcast about somebody telling me that I use Z's yeah. in my words that I really didn't understand it yeah. until you explained right. it. So, so explain. <laughs> well, and I've been thinking about this for a while. This wasn't this guy saying it. And I thought, should I tell John this? You know, it's like somebody wears their sweatshirt that nobody likes and you're afraid. Like, I really like that guy. Should I tell him nobody likes that sweatshirt? Probably not. And so I, was, I didn't want you to feel self-conscious. And I thought, well, John has been sober a long time. He can probably handle it. And so it's... And it it's it gives me a sweet feeling because it makes me think of your mother. Um, but when you say around Oz at the beginning of the podcast, you do say Oz instead of us. <laughs> and so I thought maybe that was a holdover from your uh, UK roots. Yeah, so. very well could be. Mm-hmm. My Scottish mom and uh, my Scottish grandmother uh-huh. and, you know, having yeah. gr- growing up. Because I do have people ask, you know, I've had people ask me when I travel. They say, well, you don't really sound, you know, heavy Texas-like. Right. You know, there's there's words and I, I definitely have some sort of, uh, sure. but it's not a, you know, big draw mm-hmm. or anything yep. like that. Sure. All right. So... But but the I mean, not only did I want to talk to you about some of this kind of stuff, I just wanted to uh, also talk to you about some AA topics. Yeah, right? I would love that. And uh, as you know, and, and I kind of uh, uh, prepped you a little bit, I used what I call a topic wheel mm-hmm. back at the beginning of this podcast. I yep. can't even remember what episode it was, and I don't know who I recorded. My guess is it's like episode five or something like that, but I, I, I created, I wanted to be a little creative, and I brought out a topic wheel mm-hmm. to where I would just spin a wheel, yep. and we'd come up with a topic and let the guests talk about mm-hmm. it. And I thought to myself, self, this is a, uh, uh, I, I think Casey would, I think this would uh, work towards some of his strong suits. So as you know, as you see, I'm going to reach over and yep. get it right now. Yep. I feel like the way this is actually going to go, John, is when you're the first person called on in a meeting and you just sputter off something <laughs> dumb about the topic because you're... <laughs> I haven't had any time to think. So this could be a real train wreck. I mean, you may not even be publishing this episode. Who knows what's about to happen? Oh, I think we'll publish it. In fact, if it is a train wreck. It'd be even better, right? You'd be like, well, that'll be Casey's last time on Sober Speak for a while. It's fine. But I do appreciate, you know, uh, that you didn't wait until episode 2000 to bring me back. So I I thought that that was a real possibility. So it's nice that you brought (laughs) <laughs> before then so so before i go to the topic okay. real though okay. i have heard you talk about a particular subject okay. before and i liked it uh i like how you addressed it right uh and i get a lot of questions about it on sober speak mm. we get people writing in about it and that subject is sponsorship mm-hmm. so i just want to give you the floor let you talk about sponsorship your experience, strength, and hope around that particular subject, mm-hmm. what you've seen work, what you didn't see work, and just your general thoughts about yeah. this. Okay, good. Well, let me preface it by first saying that um, I'm no expert, so I appreciate you enjoying what I have to share on it. Uh, and there is an expert on sponsorship, and that expert is a chapter hidden in Alcoholics Anonymous called Working With Others. So towards the back of the first 164 pages. So um, I get the good fortune today because I've been around for a little while that uh, a lot of times guys want to uh, want me to sponsor them because they want to know how to sponsor other people. And so uh, I think the best place to start with that is working with others and um, going through that chapter 
uh, again, going through, through that chapter with your sponsor. I think it's a great place to start and it's hard to go wrong when that's what you start with. I will tell you from my own experience, strength and hope, there's a few things that have been very powerful for me, um, especially uh, over the last, I don't know, decade maybe of sponsoring people and different things that I've picked up. And so uh, thing number one for me is that as a sponsor, you call me with a problem, right? Something that's going on in your life. Um, and maybe I've had that same challenge, you know, and, and overcome a very similar problem to what you're having. And what my knee-jerk reaction to do is, is to tell you that experience and to tell you how I overcame that experience. And um, hopefully that provides you with some kind of direction for what might be work for you. But what I've realized is for me is that, um, you know, the entire purpose of the 12 steps is to find a power greater than ourselves that will solve our problem, right? And so I think as a sponsor, the first thing I need to do is say, you know, have you prayed about this? Uh, and have you prayed about it enough? You know, because um, I certainly want to share my experience with you. That's not to say I don't want to share my experience with you. Um, but I, I want to direct you to God because what solved that problem for me may not be what solves that problem for you. I'm not a counselor or a therapist or a professional. You know, I can share my experience around that, but I really try to try to direct people back towards God. And that I'm saying that to them as much as I'm saying it to myself, because I'll be talking to my sponsor or someone else about something that's going on. And they might call me out and ask me if I've been praying about it. But And a, and a lot of times I'll just think, gosh, have I been praying about this? Have I been praying about it enough? Um, because my first sponsor would do that. That was always his go-to when I would call him and tell him whatever little thing was happening in my life. He would ask me if I had prayed about it. The Another thing that's been powerful for me in sponsorship is being able to say, I don't know. Because as a sponsor, I remember that first sponsor, I felt like he had all the answers, you know, and we put that sponsor on a bit of a pedestal. Uh, and then when I start sponsoring people, I feel like that's the person that I want to be too. Um, but the person that I want to be um, is somebody who can be the most helpful to people. Right. And so uh, I don't know a lot of times becomes that most helpful. You know, after I've offered the uh, have we prayed about it and, and directing towards steps that might be helping the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous that might be helping us with that particular issue or what does the book have to say about it. There are also times when people come to you because they've been in prison or they're going through a divorce uh, or they're going through an illness, you know. And, or, or, you know, in many cases with an amends, you know, maybe there's something I don't have experience with on an amends. And so in those cases, I say, you know what, I don't know what we should do about this amends. I'm not sure how you should handle your divorce. I haven't done that before. Right. And so fortunately we have this amazing network in Alcoholics Anonymous of people who have experienced these things. And so I actually have kind of go-to men that have gone through a divorce or have gone through an illness or have been in prison or whatever that circumstance is that someone might be able to relate more. And, and I encourage people in AA to have kind of a network of friends just for that reason, because there's, you know, uh, there's some things that my sponsor really has very strong experience with that I can relate to. And there's some things he doesn't have experience with. He doesn't have kids, you know, and so uh, I really rely on guys like you or David uh, or my friend Gary, you know, others who have kids and have gone before me and to hear what they've had to say. So as a sponsor, I don't know is really important. And the last thing I'll say about sponsorship for me is that I very much used to think of the sponsor being on a pedestal and the sponsee being at their feet. Um, 
And when I have that mindset, when I become the sponsor, right, and I'm putting myself on a pedestal, and I'm the teacher, right, and this is the student, uh, it's a very dangerous place for me to be. As a matter of fact, I, I don't even particularly like saying sponsorship as much as I like saying someone I work steps with. And that someone I work steps with might be someone who's teaching me, and it might be someone that I'm taking through the steps, but regardless, it's intensive work with another alcoholic, right? No matter what I'm doing, to me, intensive work means that I'm doing step work with someone else, whether that's taking someone through the steps or someone taking me through the steps. Love it. <clears throat> Let me take a little break here. We will be continuing our conversation with KCW in just a moment. Just a reminder, you are listening to Sober Speak. You can find us on the World Wide Web at SoberSpeak.com. Uh, you can also find the donate button on our website. You can use if and only if the spirit moves you. Please keep in mind, this is a podcast funded by you, the listener. All right, so now let's get to this This topic. is it. We're spinning the wheel. We're spinning the wheel. Okay, let's see what happens. Here's where it goes. I love, the, right, I love so. the fancy equipment that you've got set up in <laughs> yeah. here for the audio. This is amazing, John. <laughs> <laughs> they they can't see this. It's a little. Uh, how, how would you describe this? Yeah, it's, it's a it's very chrome. jinky app that's on your laptop that's about to make a noise, which is great. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah, I don't want them to get the impression I actually right. Am. I have a huge wheel that you've constructed in here to do this with Studio A, the wheel of. <laughs> the wheel of fortune, the wheel of sober, yes. the wheel of. Show them what they won, John. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. The spin. All right. Everybody hear the spin? I love it. <laughs> All right, so it landed on. Ooh. Uh oh, what do you got? Forgiveness. Oh, wow. Ooh, that's a that's a good topic. So I'm gonna give you a second to yeah. think about it. Yeah. So well, okay, so forgiveness uh and i just kind of get like go over a couple things that come to mind for me like you you know you usually kind of think about this in step nine mm -hmm. and, and most people come to alcoholics anonymous with some uh, oh i should say pretty much all of them mm -hmm. come to alcoholics anonymous with you know resentments and they done me wrong mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff so when you think about forgiveness what comes to mind i think about uh, the definition of spiritual experience in the back of the book uh, that they added a little bit later. It wasn't in the first printing of the first edition. And they added it because they were afraid that maybe folks um, thought that you had to have the white light experience like Bill had, you know, and, and they described this educational variety. And the way they describe it is the personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And that personality change in very many ways, maybe the biggest personality change that I recognize today is that before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, if you did something wrong, you know, um, or did something that challenged me or made me feel bad, um, I would think about that thing and I would feel bad in the moment. And then later when I reflected on it, I would feel worse. And later I'd get more angry and later maybe I think I needed to retaliate. You know, that was the old me. The old me also, when I did something to you, I might feel bad about that in the moment, right? And then later, eh, it wasn't really that big of a deal. And then later, it's like it never happened, right? Uh, and so 
before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous and more specifically before I started working the steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was always quick to forgive me and quick to judge you, you know? And so when I did that first fourth step, I realized that I had done a lot of inventory before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, but in the fourth step, there are four columns, you know, and that fourth column is the most important. What were my mistakes? The only two columns I got to before I got here were one and two, right? right? Who you were and what you did to me. And that tape played over and over and over again. And I remember when my sponsor introduced that concept of the fourth step to, or fourth column to me, I thought, fourth column? We're talking about people that I'm angry with and the good reason that I have for being angry with them. Uh, and it turned out once I started to write some of those things down on paper, uh, and he started to help me understand how I had gotten the ball rolling, uh, I started to understand how I started to create most of this stuff on my own. You know, And, and so today in Alcoholics Anonymous, for me, the idea that if you do, do something that disturbs me, right, the thing that I'm actually looking at, if I'm spiritually fit, is not how that, how what you did was wrong. Why is that bothering me that you're doing whatever it is that you're doing, you know? And then if I've done something that I think might have been out of line, um, what do I need to do around that? Do I owe somebody an amends, um, following the steps within the book to kind of figure out what I, what I need to do next? You know, uh, forgiveness is a powerful thing. You know, it really is. And, and it's amazing to me, you know, eight and nine, eight, we make this list, nine, we go out and try to amend these things. This is not just staring at my feet saying that I'm sorry, right? It's trying to make the situation as right as I can. There are some situations that I can never make right. The book tells me that I can never give my mom back my teenage years, right? She's never going to get to have a healthy, happy teenager. I blew that. So now all I can do is the best I can do with mom today. But but because I was able to see what my mistakes were in that, my ability to be more empathetic uh, to people uh, started to come around, you know, and, and this idea that people weren't doing it to me, they were just doing it. And the other idea that there's probably missing information, you know, that I don't have. And that's an, that's a real important one because, um, you want to stick your foot in your mouth. You know, if I just go around saying everything that I'm thinking, right. Without that extra piece of information, sometimes when a situation disturbs me later, I get that extra piece of information and it really makes sense. Sometimes I don't get that extra piece of information and I don't know. I don't know why that guy cut me off in traffic, right? But it could be because they were on the way to the hospital to visit their sick kid. And wouldn't I feel terrible about honking at that guy uh, for doing that if that's genuinely what was happening? And so um, to me, the forgiveness has come with the personality change, you know, this this idea. The, the most stark example I can give you for me is when I'm in the express line at the grocery store, right? And if the guy in front of me and I'm not spiritually fit has 12 items, <laughs> I'm thinking, hey, man, can't you read? This is the express line. You know, you 10 items or less, buddy. It's a huge sign right over your head, right? But if I'm in line with 12 items, it's just it's two more 12. items. Yeah, it's just two more items. Not that big of a deal, you know? So, um, yeah, that's a, that's a great, I don't know if that spurred yeah, you on to anything that you well, wanted to mention. Well, um, yeah. So what I, what I am thinking about, and it, it, it comes to mind for me many times when I hear this word forgiveness and 
I've watched this on TV before, uh, but that is like when you go through something that is really traumatic and that is, you know, like somebody murders your child mm -hmm. and then these people get up in the court and they look at the perpetrator and they say, I forgive you. Amazing. I, I, you know, I, I hope I never have to go through an experience like that, mm -hmm. but I'm always thinking, why do they do that? You know, and, and, and I know in my head kind of intellectually, it's to help them, right? And to kind of try to do the right thing, but it always blows my mind. And maybe that's an extreme example, but there are lesser type mm -hmm. of, you know, growing up with a parent who was uh, abusive sure. or, uh, possibly, you know, working with a boss that is overbearing, mm -hmm. uh, and how you go about doing that. And sometimes it's like people doing it in their head. And sometimes it's like people going up and actually saying, um, I forgive you. In fact, I was watching this television show. This was like a few months back. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't want to, it, 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 it's a reality show, mm -hmm. right? So, but it's, uh, but it's one that I keep up with and I think is very interesting. And there was this, this daughter-in-law who went up to her pair, who her her uh, uh, in-laws, mother-in-law and father-in-law, and she said, "Hey, listen, I know you guys have been jerks to me, but I forgive you." <laughs> and I was like, "She got to go to AA. She yeah, needs to learn how to do this." You're gonna right? want to role play that amends with your sponsor, maybe <laughs> right. before. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I saw it going on, yeah. and I was like, "Well, I get what you're doing, yeah. but you know, there's there's some real nuance yeah. when you're working on forgiveness and you're trying to go through amends and Absolutely. such like that." No, I, I think uh, I think it's one of the most valuable things of having a sponsor and being a sponsor is kind of collaborating on how those uh, amends are going to go because many times I may not feel it in my heart. When I need to go do it, you know, and, and how do I handle that when I may not necessarily be feeling it in my heart yet? Right. I'm going to feel it in my heart, but maybe I haven't felt it yet. Well, the mother-in-law, father-in-law, that answers, I remember they were just kind of dumbfounded. They're like, what do we do? <laughs> well, sure uh, we forgive you too. <laughs> I, you know, I don't know what, what's the right response right. here? Yep. Yep. All right, let's spin again. Okay, that experiment went so well, you're going to spin it again? <laughs> I'm spin yeah. it again. All right. I hope it doesn't land on the same thing. Yeah. That would be Sponsorship. Tough. Okay, tell me again. What All you right. want. Okay, here we go. Turning point. Oof. Yeah. Oof. Okay, so the line from the book, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, is... We stood at the turning point. Mm -hmm. We asked his care. Uh, we asked his complete care. We asked for his care with complete abandon, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So when you think about turning point for you, turning point that you've seen with other people within the program of Alcoholics mm -hmm. Anonymous, what comes to mind? Wow. Um, it's a powerful thing. Um, for one, that's one sentence may define what the idea of God in my head is today, which is we asked his protection and care with complete abandon, a God that can protect me, a God that cares for me and a God that I can abandon myself to, you know, that may be the best definition that I have in my head today of what God is for me. I think, I think for me, that turning point is exactly what it says right there. When I reach that turning point, I'm ready to 
seek God, you know, and seek God's protection and care with complete abandon. When I first got to uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and started to not drink and started to work the steps, I was desperate. Um, and that turning point was a real desperate place for me. Uh, today, I have a lot of turning points, I think. You know, I think there's big turning points that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous that can be um, pretty dramatic, but I think there are a lot of small turning points that I end up having uh, throughout sobriety if I'm seeking a spiritual solution. Um, because for me, when I first got into the program, I was ready to let Alcoholics Anonymous and God take my drinking, right? I, I was ready to work those steps and and not drink, you know. But was I really going to allow that into my relationship with females? Was I going to allow that into my relationship with friends, with my family, with my work, you know? And so, uh, and I'm, I'll tell you that it's, it comes and goes, you know, uh, physical sobriety is a, a, a one or a zero, right? We're both sitting here sober. We're not going to get any more physically sober than we are right now, but emotional sobriety is certainly a spectrum. Uh, and I think, uh, especially for me, uh, in the last several years, you know, you and I commiserate about this a lot, being married for a while, having teenage kids, uh, and trying to be the best dads and husbands that we can be. I have reached a lot of turning points. Um, I, I talk about this in meetings a lot, but you know, the when I came here on January 1st of 1990, the truth for me was that I was not alcoholic. That was my truth. I believe that to my core, that I was not alcoholic on January 1st of 1990. It took me a couple of weeks of drinking and going to meetings and then hearing the definition of alcoholism for me to understand that the truth about me was that I could not safely drink, right? And, and so that was a delusion that I had. There was a truth about myself that I didn't know. A lot of times these delusions, I'm the last one to know, right? But I have suffered from hundreds of delusions within Alcoholics Anonymous. So uh, the the example I can think of the most is with my wife. You know, I uh, fancy myself a good husband, John, you know, and, and I have for the entirety of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And I will say that at one point in time, um, my wife and I have a real um, transparent relationship. We, we talk a lot and we're not afraid to tell each other if something's bothering us, you know. Uh, and I'm grateful for that today that we can say that without necessarily hurting each other's feelings too bad. Um, but I remember one time thinking about what a great husband I was, you know, and whenever my wife would ask me to do something, I would do it, you know, and didn't always do it cheerfully, John, but I would do it, you know. And then after a while of doing that, I realized that actually a good husband probably does what their wife asks and does it cheerfully, right? They're pleased to do those kinds of things. And then I started to realize that actually my definition of a good husband is probably somebody who sees something that needs to be done and goes ahead and does it instead of waiting for their wife to ask them to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, and so those were these little delusions mm -hmm. that I started, and that's a microcosm, right? I could give you the same story about work, the same story about my kids. So chances are, John, there are things that I'm deluded about right now that I don't even know. It's why I continue to go to meetings. It's why I wake up in the morning and turn my will and life over to the care of God. It's why I continue to sponsor and work steps and have service commitments and try to do the right thing um, because I know there are truths about myself that I don't know. I am wildly happy today, right? Wildly happy. 
and I do believe that I could be even more happy. You know, my sponsor, whenever I would ask him those questions, you know, it would be, how free do you want to be? You know, how many meetings should I go to? Well, how free do you want to be? How often should I pray? How free do you want to be? You know, and, and so to me today, I think about that, uh, you know, um, it doesn't take me long to deteriorate <laughs> into madness, right? But but I also today uh, I can reach out for humility instead of uh, waiting for humility to hit me on the head, you know. And to me, that's a lot of those turning points have been when humility has hit me on the head instead of me actually reaching out for it, you know. Will you tell that story with? I've heard you talk about this before with your wife going to see the AA speaker. I think it was in Florida, and she did not enjoy the speaker. Why? So, so my wife. By the and, way, I love your wife. Right? Oh my gosh, she's, Karen she's, is amazing. Yeah, she's um, top of the line. Yeah, she absolutely is, and uh, she is so much fun to be around, and uh, supports me in my recovery, and is just like the coolest. You know, uh, I mean, amazing, and so. When we first started dating, I was eight years sober, right? So I, the good fortune of, of getting sober young, and so I get to have all these experiences that a lot of people have drinking, I got to have all these experiences sober, which was amazing. So I met my wife at eight years of sobriety, and at that time, <clears throat> I'm going out to halfway house and picking up a sponsee and some friends and taking them to this meeting that I was living in Tampa at the time. We were driving from Tampa to St. Pete. It was the world famous speaker meeting. I don't know if it's still there anymore. I haven't been able to find it, but it was an amazing meeting. That was the name of it? Yes. World famous speaker meeting. And it was was a potluck and then the meeting and it was awesome. And so, you know, here I am, my wife's new to all this. She loves the fact that I don't drink, which I really appreciated. We were pretty young at the time. We were, she was 25, I was 26. And so there's a lot of drinking involved in most 25 year olds lives. And so my wife was very willing to hang out with me sober and appreciated that I was sober, which was unusual for me at the time dating. Right. And so I was out one or two nights a week, sometimes three nights a week. Uh, and I just wanted her to meet the people that I was hanging out with and doing all that stuff. And so I said, you got to come to the world famous speaker meeting with me. I said, one of the guys whose stories in the back of the fourth edition was the speaker. It was the pilot. Yeah, they, uh, He was yeah. amazing. Right. I've and so, him. oh, so great. And so <clears throat> we drove over to the halfway house together. I was still smoking. All these guys were smoking. They pile into my SUV. <clears throat> smoking, driving to St. Pete. Who knows what these guys are saying? I mean, these are all guys with less than six months of sobriety. And they just know that I show up and I have a certain number of seats in the car and everybody can pile in and there's a third row. And so it is jam packed in my SUV. So we drive over there and we're having the meeting before the meeting and having a good time. And my wife rolls with it too. She's she always has fun. And we were in the speaker meeting and this speaker is just amazing. Real charismatic, great story, amazing drunkalog. You know, it's fun to hear these crazy drunkalogs sometimes. And he had a really great message too. And I just thought, man, I have really impressed my wife. She is probably loving this, you know? And so at the end of the meeting, we're walking out and I was like, so what did you think? And she was like, I don't get it. I said, well, what do you mean? She said, well, at one point in time, the guy backed up over his dog in the driveway and killed it. And everybody laughed. (laughs) And I said, 
Yeah, sometimes we laugh and sometimes we cry. But I realized that for her, she's like a, a huge animal lover. It didn't occur to me that that was going to hit her as hard as it did. And it did hit her hard. So I have taken her to a few meetings since then. And she's just kind of been unimpressed with all of them, which is, which is so, so fine. I will also say that she lets my friends come over to the house all the time. She, you know, she lets me go off on weekend trips with the guys. She is, she is super, uh, I think she understands how much my recovery brings to our family dynamic and how important that is and how important it is to me. Um, and so I've talked to a lot of people and everybody doesn't have somebody who's super supportive. You know, I know you have an amazingly supportive wife who allows you to do a tons of things mm-hmm. and even helps you do a lot of things mm-hmm. too. And it's a, uh, it's an absolute blessing that that gets to be integrated into my family life too, but probably not taking her to a lot of speaker meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've taken her to others and she wins. Yeah. I've taken her to a few and I've always tried to take her to like the top of the mark. You know, <laughs> you and I saw a pretty good speaker, you know, one time together with yeah, her yeah. and, uh, she was like, eh. yeah, didn't think yeah. it was, I'm like crying during the speaker. Like she's amazing. It's it's so moving to me. And she's like, eh. it's okay, you know. I get it. Yes. I get it. Yes. Okay, so I want to go back to the turning. Point yeah, please. Again. I don't because know if I got way too far afield on that or not. Maybe no, you can no, no, okay, no, 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 okay, no. But, okay. but I, I really because I, what I was thinking of while you were talking is like all these little. Okay, so I'm thinking of the person out there. Who is listening to this, right? And you and I, by God's grace, are sitting here with some long-term sobriety. Um, and as you, I, I don't take it for granted, and I'm not. And you know, like Marty C is talking about, I, I still get excited about it, and uh, I still get excited that I get to live the kind of life Absolutely. I live. Now, it is not perfect, right? None nope. of us are saying it is by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. Um, but but I'm I'm thankful for it. But. Mm-hmm. There are people that have said or are saying to themselves, "How come? Why? How come they got to experience the turning point, mm-hmm. and I have not experienced that turning point yet?" Mm-hmm. Um, now, keep in mind, for me at least, I was in and out for three years, yep. right? And so I understand, and I've been through that to some degree. It wasn't a ten-year stretch, but it was a three-year stretch, and yep. it was the worst three-year stretch of my life. Yep. So, talk to them about turning point you know or just share yeah. your experience yeah. right out. yeah i think uh <clears throat> i think a few things when you say that you know one is you know the concept of the book when it first came out was that um you know there's only a couple of meetings right there's not this network of meetings that we have around the country now mm-hmm. uh and the concept was they were going to mail this book to you and you were going to read the book and do what it says in the book and you were going to get sober and then you were going to start a fellowship in your community right? right and if somebody had offered me that in january of 1990 i would not have done that when i came to the fellowship of alcoholics anonymous it was the fellowship of alcoholics anonymous that absolutely inspired me <clears throat> to think that this was a solution right and so for me, a couple of things had to happen. And I think, I think I see this with folks. This is, I'm speaking just anecdotally from my experience. You have to be done. And whatever somebody's done is, is vastly different. You know, I, I was done early and stayed done to this day, uh, which I'm truly grateful for. I know people come in and out also. <clears throat> I think for me, I fell into a group that, um, 
that the expectation was that you were going to have a sponsor and you were going to do the work out of the book. And if I had not fallen into that group, that that was the expectation, I might have thought that Alcoholics Anonymous was the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous and not the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. I feel like that's twofold today, right? Mm -hmm. There's the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the meetings and me and you hanging out together and laughing and having a good time, which I absolutely in love with and have been from the day that I thought it was a good idea, right? And then there's the program of Alcoholics Anonymous, which is the thing that's going to get me this power to this power that's greater than myself, that's going to solve my problem, right? Um, That's going to allow me... to have this personality change. And so I've just got to be willing to go out and have that personality change. That's the turning point. I mean, to me, the turning point is that you're willing to do the work. As soon as you're willing to do the work, that's the turning point. So if you're waiting around today, friends, for the turning point, know that the turning point is you grabbing somebody and saying, help me, right? I I think, because I remember doing that third step, you know, in the third step, uh, we turn our will and lives over to the care of God. And I remember the traditionally, you kind of get on your knees with a person and hold their hands. And I didn't feel anything but uncomfortable when I did that with the guy, (laughs) you know, I didn't feel the power of God. And if that happens to someone, that's wonderful. But I just remember thinking, boy, nothing really happened, you know, except I was a little embarrassed. And, and I remembered (laughs) my sponsor saying, you know, you've done a good third step when you go home and start putting pen to paper. That's how you know you've done a good third step. All the third step is saying is go and do the rest of the work. So if somebody's at, I'll tell you for me, when I did my fourth step, what I told my sponsor and I had gotten to a place where I felt pretty comfortable with my sponsor, I said, I think this is dumb. I don't think it's going to work and I'm willing to give it a try. Right. You know, uh, you're allowed to think those two things and anything else that you want to think as long as that last thing is, and I'll give it a try. Because in my experience, I have never watched anyone work the steps thoroughly, honestly, and quickly that didn't have the spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. I I just don't think it's not possible for that to happen. Uh, I have not seen it and I've watched it a lot of times. Now, I've seen a lot of people do the half measures thing. And I have been a person that has also done half measures in recovery as well. Um, And I know, you know, half measures get you exactly that zero, you know. I don't think uh, Sammy will mind us talking about him, Mm -hmm. but the gentleman who just chaired the meeting uh, before we came over here, right? He was, had quite a story in and out mm-hmm. for many, many years, mm-hmm. really didn't take it that seriously. And this last time after he went to the hospital and he was going through, you know, uh, uh, you know, his wife was threatening divorce. Mm-hmm. I, I, I hope I have the story straight. Yep. Uh, he finally decided to to take some more action is what he came mm-hmm. to. And David G got with him yep. and he's been sober since. And you can tell now, I mean, there's just something different about it. Oh my you goodness. Can see it. it is the joy and privilege of Alcoholics Anonymous to get to watch people come in. I can think of two people right now that come to that meeting that we were just in where I thought, that guy's not going to make it. You know, I mean, uh, we, we, we obviously don't place any wagers on that, but I just thought, man, I don't know if this guy's, and I, I just, I think about those two guys today and I just think, man, the miracle has happened, you know, and, and I, I was real worried that there was going to be some kind of big commitment that I was going to have to make. I remember telling my sponsor, like, I think this is going to take a lot of time, you know, and the 
exact thing my sponsor said to me was, if you spend 10% of the energy on working the program of Alcoholics Anonymous mm. that you did drinking, you're going to be just fine. Right. And he was absolutely right. right. Before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, I was thinking about a drink, going for a drink, or drinking a drink. Those are the only three things I was doing. If something else could fit into that agenda, I would do it. <laughs> but if it did not fit in that agenda, I was not doing it. And so uh, I will say that I had a lot of free time once those three things got taken out of my life. And I did spend a decent amount of that free time going after what you said. You know, I, I just remember people saying early on things like, you know, uh, how long should I go to meetings? You know, and, and the it was always, you know, go to meetings until you want to go to meetings. Right. And that was the truth. Right. I did. I went to meetings not wanting to go to meetings. And then suddenly in working the steps with my sponsor, at some point, I started getting excited to go to meetings. Right. And, and to, I haven't thought about drinking in a long time. I was real excited to come to the fourth dimension meeting today and get to see my friends and listen to what people had to say and a joy to get to see yeah. Sammy chair the meeting yeah. and see some new people come in and hear about some Somebody who just got a chip, yeah. you know, and with people um, traveling from yes. other places, like the lady from Florida, yeah. and uh, it was it was great. Yeah, for sure, for sure. All right, my friend. Anything that you would like to add um, before we wrap it up? Any thoughts coming to your mind that you just want to make sure we call them what burning desires yeah. sometimes at the yeah, end of the I'll say a couple of things. One is that, um, you know, anybody who's listening today, you know, John is an open book. I'm an open book. You've got plenty of ways to contact us, you know, and, and so, um, you are not alone. Uh, and, and, um, uh, you don't ever have to drink in if you don't want to, you know, that's what I was told when I got into alcohol. Promise. <laughs> the second thing I will say is a sappy plug for John, which is I love me some sober speak. <laughs> I mean, uh, from the moment you said, this is something I was going to do. I was like, what dumb idea is this that John has? <laughs> that doesn't sound like something that's going to work, you know? And then. Um, you invited me over to your house. We did one kind of early on. And I was like, well, that was fun to do with John, but this is not going to amount to anything. This is going to not gain momentum, you know. And, and today when I hear about, you know, it was such a great convergence of um, what was going on culturally, not being able to get out as much and not being able to go to meetings as much. And and for you to have kind of the podcast at the same time, you want to talk about divine intervention. When I hear about people who kind of got sober from home on zoom meetings and listening to podcasts. You're a big part of the fabric of that. And so I am extremely grateful for that in my life. And I'm extremely grateful for the accessibility that you've allowed uh, for folks. It's a great service that you're doing. You have an awesome job, kids, wife, tons of responsibilities. And so for you to take the time to do something like this is real special. And I know there are hundreds, thousands of people that feel the same way. So I want you to know how grateful I am for you and your service. You're too kind, uh, you know, and, but I can tell you though, that people tune in to this to uh, maybe to hear me to some degree, yeah. but the, what the, the juice behind this and what makes it go is people like you, right? Yeah. Bringing in, you know, some great guests and, you know, they get to share their experience, strength and hope and they get to, sh and they strengthen other people's sobriety. Yeah. And so I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. All right. So page 164 from the big book, it says, abandon yourself to God as you understand God, admit your faults to him and to your fellows, clear away the wreckage of your past 
Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us, like me and KCW, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Once again, my friend Casey, I sure appreciate you coming by. Great being here. Casey, my friend, thank you so much again for being on the podcast. I so much enjoy spending time with you both on mic and off mic. And uh, by the way, uh, if you're interested in joining the meeting that Casey and I talked about on the front of this episode, it's called Frisco Fourth Dimension, and it's in Frisco, Texas. And both of us are usually there on Saturday. So if you're in the area, pop on by. We would love to hang out with you. Now, on to a little bit of a listener feedback. Terry writes in and Terry says, love your podcast, big exclamation points. She says, love how it has and is helping me. As as I know, it's helping countless others out there. God bless you, Terry. And then I get one of these little emojis. I guess this is like a smiley face with a little uh, a halo on it. I like that little emoji. And so thank you anyway for writing in, Terry. Appreciate it. Jason writes in, and the subject line is celebrating times two or celebrating X two. He says, hello, my friend, John. First of all, I'd like to thank you for the podcast and your contribution said with a a Texas French accent (laughs) to service work, to service work with the podcast. I'm writing you to let you know I'm celebrating seven years of sobriety, which is truly a blessing, but that's not the only reason I'm celebrating. The real reason is my oldest son is celebrating six months of sobriety. My heart is overwhelmed with just typing that sentence. This program works. It really works. That's so cool, Jason. He says, God God has done some amazing things in my life. Most probably I don't deserve, and I am grateful for them all. I pray that those new to the program and new to recovery will hear this and know that the promises really do happen. We just have to work for them. Well put, Jason. He says, take care, John. I hope God blesses you as much as you have been a blessing to those who hear your podcast, your friend and native Texan, Jason. Well, God bless you. God bless your son. Jason, I'm so glad to hear that. That is really cool. Haley writes in and say, Haley says, hiya, John, <laughs> H-Y. H-I-Y-A. Hiya, John M. I live in Southampton, but I originally came from a small village called Summersham in Cambridgeshire. Man, that's quite a a mouthful. So you you live you were in Southampton, but you came from a small village called Summersham in Cambridgeshire. And I'm assuming this is in Massachusetts. That's a lot going on there, uh, Haley. But nonetheless, she says, I am one month and 10 days sober, and I do struggle some days, but not all. I am very angry, hurt, and I have a lot of resentments toward a few people, but mostly with myself. The whole God bit is doing a bit in my head, and I'm angry with him, and I have been for a long while. 
I found the Sober Speak podcast and I listened to it on Amazon. I really love them. I have started step one and finding it a struggle because I am so tired all the time, Haley R. And Haley, I noticed you are getting into our uh, uh, super secret Facebook group and posting some stuff in there. I'm glad you're being vulnerable, open, honest, and uh you know, that's the first step. Uh, and God bless you. I'm sorry you're going through a tough time, but uh, I've seen this uh, many times over. And uh, as Jason said just earlier, just do the work, stay with the process, uh, trust your gut, um, and um, take it all one step at a time. God bless you, Haley. Hiya, back at you. <laughs> Joshua Archie writes in, I love that name, don't you? Joshua Archie. He says, hi, John. I am a new-ish listener. I found you searching for some more content from Earl H. I'm a big fan of his. Uh, oh, I'm a big fan of your uh, format, and I'm a daily listener of yours and the Sobercast podcast via Spotify. I am originally from Alaska and I received the gifts, gifts of AA there. Now, however, I live in Switzerland. Say hello uh, to that little, uh, I don't know, ice thingy from uh, Frozen. Uh, I think that, is that Switzerland? <laughs> it's somewhere in that area. Uh, he's a little uh, a snowman. And I can't remember his name right now, but nonetheless, he says, uh, you, I'm probably butchered that whole thing completely up. Uh, and that would not be unusual for me. Anyway, Joshua says you had mentioned being willing to put us listeners in touch with some of your guests. We need more speakers from the U S here in Switzerland. I know I'm supposed to look for the similarities, but big smiley faces three of them. He says, what a gift to have you putting all this energy out into the universe. I will be in touch for more info soon. Lots of love from across the globe, Joshua Archie. Well, Joshua Archie, love back at you, my friend, there in Switzerland. And uh, I think what you're talking about is I have a... I have a list here, uh, and if anybody else is interested in it, I can uh, uh, provide it. Just uh, write to me at John, J-O-H-N, at SoberSpeak.com. And it's a list of the various, uh, a lot of the various speakers that have been on the podcast in the past and are willing to do like, you know, Zoom meetings or even, you know, fly out there. And uh, we have that quite a bit as well. Fly out to your location if you're having a conference or whatever and be a guest for you. So... That's it. All right, everybody. That is one more episode of Sober Speak. I will try to make it back next week. We always take this one week at a time. May God bless you and keep you until then. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. God bless. <laughs>